Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Acts chapter 15 tonight. We're going to look at verses 1 through 35, and we're going to talk about opening doors for the gospel. So let's pick right up in Acts chapter 15. And certain men which came down from Judah, taught the brethren, and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So Paul and Barnabas had been in Antioch. They would uh, appointed elders there, pastors, to, to pastor the church there. And they had been teaching and teaching and teaching. And, and, uh, and then afterwards, certain men, Judaizers, came in. Men from the church in Jerusalem, but we'll find out later, they weren't sent from the church in Jerusalem. They weren't authorized from the church in Jerusalem to do this. But they came in and they started teaching the people, hey, yeah, what they were telling you is great. Yes, faith in Jesus Christ, that's awesome. Yeah, grace, that's awesome. But you've got to be circumcised if you're a guy. And you've got to keep the law of Moses no matter what. If you don't do that, you can't be saved. So they're adding to the gospel. So verse 2, where, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and the elders, and they declared all the things that God had done with them. So they, they go and they, they preach the gospel to these Gentiles in Antioch. These Gentiles receive the gospel, uh, non-Jewish people. And they're, they're coming to Jerusalem and they say, look at what God has done. Verse 5. But there rose up a certain sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying, It was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And we looked earlier on in Acts when you read... Back in chapter 4, 5, 6, you saw that there were many Pharisees who believed on the day of Pentecost. And they were part of the early church, but they just couldn't let go of their old traditions. They wanted to, they wanted to trust Jesus as the Savior, but they couldn't let go of their old ways. They couldn't let go of their church tradition. And the Verse 6, And the apostles and others came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the uh, Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God and put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So, Here's the, here's the story. And here's something you need to understand, too. You might not get this from the text, but this story is taking place about 20 years 
after the day of Pentecost. This isn't just a couple weeks. We read and we're like, oh, chapter six, four, uh, 15, uh, chapter 2 was the day of Pentecost. This must be a few weeks later. Now, we're talking 20 years has passed since this has happened. Paul was persecuting the church for years after the day of Pentecost, for, for years after he uh, uh, ascended to the stoning of Stephen. Um, there, and then he's, he's been a missionary for years after this has happened. And so this is 20 years later. And these Judaizers are, you know, uh, coming into Antioch, uh, teaching that circumcision was necessary to be saved, that the law of Moses was necessary to be saved, adding to the word of God. Now hold your place in Acts and flip back to Galatians chapter 2 real quick. Galatians 2, Paul's giving his testimony, and he tells in chapter 1 about how he, uh, he saw Jesus Christ, and then he spent three years in the, in the desert, and he was uh, um, uh, taught by the Lord, and then he became an apostle, and he went into Syria and Sicilia and uh, Judea, and, and then he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. So this is 14 years after Paul started his missionary journey that this dissension in the church comes about. So this is Paul's recollection of what we just read in Acts chapter 15. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which are of no reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren, unawares, brought in, who came privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Jesus Christ, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. He says, I didn't give these guys, I didn't give these guys the time of day. That's what that subjection, no, but by an hour. That's just, he says, I didn't give these guys the time of day, because they were wrong, and I knew they were wrong. Verse 6, but of those who seem to be somewhat... Whatsoever they were, it makes no matter to me. God accepts no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. The bigwigs didn't impress me. <laughs> That's exactly what Paul's saying. The bigwigs uh, of, of the church that were teaching these things, they didn't impress me one bit. Verse 7, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed to me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectively in Peter the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty towards me and the Gentiles, and when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be the pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that they should go to the heathen, that we should go to the heathen, and they should go unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I was forward to do. So that's Paul's testimony of this whole situation here. So getting back to our story in Acts chapter 15, Peter has been sitting and listening to this disputing for a while. Sitting back, being quiet. That's something we all need to learn. It's, uh, yeah, and that's something. Well, this is 20 years after Pentecost. I think Peter's matured a little bit. He's learned. Okay, it's better to just sit back and be quiet and listen for a while and see what everybody has to say, and then I'll step in and say what I got to say. And he says, y'all don't remember how God made that? I mean, just go back a few chapters, right? Cornelius, the sheet, the animals... God said, eat, and I said, no, and God said, don't you call unclean what I've called clean? And God was teaching me that the Gentiles are just as good as us, and they should be allowed to be saved just like we are. 
That's what Peter's trying to remind them to. And he goes, in verse 10, he says, no, so why are you tempting God? Why are you trying to put a yoke on these guys? On the, why are you probably trying to put a yoke on these, these Gentiles that you could never hold? None of us here sitting around this table has ever kept the law, Peter's saying. We've never kept the law. We've all broken it. You know it. How old do you think Peter is? At this point, Peter's probably 20. He's probably in his uh, late 50s, early 60s. I'm thinking Peter's probably in his 30s. During the, he's probably about the same age as Christ, maybe a little older, possibly. So, um, so he says, "Look, you know, we believe through the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, even as they." Verse twelve. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. So we have first <clears throat> the testimony of Peter. Now we have the testimony of Paul and Barnabas. And they tell all the things that God had done. Then we get to verse 13, and Jesus' brother stands up. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return, and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I'll build again the ruins thereof, and I'll set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all Gentiles who call upon, my na- who, upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is, so James is the pastor, the head pastor of the church in Jerusalem now the brother of the Lord, who didn't believe in Jesus Christ until after his resurrection. Grew up with the boy. Grew up with Jesus. <laughs> he was his half-brother. And he didn't even believe he was Lord until after he saw him resurrected. But now he's the pastor of Jerusalem. He says, here's my sentence. Verse 19. We trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. But we write to them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city that them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. <clears throat> so James's thing is this. Here, look. At, here's what I want you to understand, guys. Two things we need to do. I want to give them two commandments, and then I'm going to ask two concessions. The commandments are no idolatry and no fornication. Okay. Don't bow to another idol. Don't take another god. Mm-hmm. And keep yourself from sexual impurity. And then we're going to ask them as Jews if they would do so, be so kind as Gentiles to abstain from eating, from drinking blood, and from eating the flesh of animals that have been strangled. Because that's not kosher. And so the teaching here, what James is saying is basically, in order for us to live together in the church, there are commandments we have to obey but there are concessions we have to make. We all have commandments we have to obey. Okay? There's 10 of them outlined in Exodus 20, and there's a whole lot more throughout the books of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, 620-some-odd commandments or something. Thankfully, we're not under all that ceremonial law. We don't have to bring doves and uh, you know uh, measures of wheat to the temple. We don't have to burn incense and, you know, ask the priest to pray for us and all that sort of stuff. There's grace now. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, the, tail, the veil of the temple was rent in two, and now we have access to God. We don't have to keep those commandments. But the moral law of God is still in effect, and that's what James is basically saying here. There's the moral law of God. 
What's the very first of the commandments? I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. No idolatry, right? And then the other big one, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery, fornication, sexual sin. It's the thing that's pretty much ruined society, isn't it? It's, it's completely changed the way we act, you know, um, I look at you guys and you young ladies, and you look nothing like the kids when I was your age. Your lives are completely different. I mean, everything is different now. Everything is different. And I can sit around and complain about it, or I can try to help you and guide you into biblical truth. But I'm telling you, everything's different. Girls don't act the way they used to. Guys don't act the way they used to. It's just different. Because at your fingertips, this was a phone, you have every vile, disgusting, immoral thing that possibly could exist on this earth at your hands 24-7. And human nature is, you've got to swipe. You've got to go. You've got to look at it. And it affects our minds, and it changes who we are. And James is saying, listen, these Gentiles, they have grown up idol worshipers. We have to remind them, this is the commandment of God, no idols. No other gods before the one true God, right? And we need to remind them that fornication is not good. And then we're going to ask them to do two things for us as Jews. Since the gospel came to the Jew first, Romans 1, 16 and 17, since it came to the Jew first, we're going to ask them to make a concession to us as Jews and abstain from drinking blood and abstain from eating meat from an animal that's been strangled. That sounds kind of strange to us. But in the old religious, in a lot of the old religious cults, there were specific ways that animals were, were sacrificed. And sometimes one of, the, one of the ways the animals was killed for the sacrifice was the animal had to be strangled. The animal had to go through immense pain. Now you do that, you leave all the blood in there, you know, that, I, anybody, deer hunter here? What? Do you really, honestly, do you really want to hit? Do you really want to hit a deer with your car? Let it sit on the side of the road and kick and scream for uh, 15 minutes before you can get to it, and and then try to eat that meat. Why? Because it's ruined, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it gets ruined. The, the meat gets ruined. There's a reason God says don't eat things that are from a strangled beast. You know, so the Jews. Said, look, we, 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 we don't want to force the Gentiles to, to obey the law of Moses because the law of Moses is finished. And we don't want to force the Jews to practice the act of circumcision because that's a big step. And that's something you don't want to do unless you absolutely have to, right? Now, today with modern science, and, and it, it's, it's a standard thing for, pretty, for the most part. Most, I think it's like 70, 75% of all boys are circumcised now in this country. It's just something that happens. It's just, you know, it seems like it's part of our culture now. But back then, that was a big deal, you know. And they were saying, we're not going to, you know, I mean, forcing men to get circumcised as an adult was a great way to conquer a people. Go back to Genesis and read, read Abraham. Abraham said, oh, yeah, I'll be your partner, but you've got to get circumcised. And all the men in the city got circumcised, and Abraham and his men went in and destroyed the whole city because <laughs> none of the men could fight back. You know, and so this is a big deal. So here's, here's the, the thing. We're in the middle of a transition time. 
You know, we're going from law to grace, so there's bound to be bumps in the road. Listen, in your church, in your church life, in your, in, here in Jacksonville, wherever you move on, you're going to have bumps in the road. Okay? But you've got to be careful about mixing law and grace. A, few, a week or so ago, we were in Luke, and in Luke 5.36, Jesus spoke a parable to them saying, No man puts a piece of a new garment on an old, otherwise both the new makes a rent, and the piece that was taken out with the new agrees not with the old. You don't take a, a, a new piece of cloth and sew it into an old garment because it's obvious, right? Um, and then he says in verse 37, No man puts new wine into old bottles, or the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled. New wine has to be put in new bottles so both are preserved. Jesus is saying, look, you can't fit the law and grace together. You can't shove grace in an old bottle of law. It's going to burst. It, just, it's not, it doesn't work. The two don't mix. So what these Jews are doing when they're telling these Gentiles, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to fulfill the law of Moses, they're trying to rebuild the wall between the Jew and Gentile that Jesus tore down at the cross. You know, Ephesians 2.14 says, For he is our peace, who's made both one, and broke down that middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, to make himself of two one new man, and making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy. Jesus took and was able to put together the Jew and the Gentile into one body because of the cross. What these Jews are doing by saying you've got to keep these laws, they're trying to rebuild that wall. And so James makes this commandment. Hey, two commands, two, two concessions. And the lesson here is that there are commandments in our Bible, but there are also compromises that need to be made in order to have a public life of faith. In order to have a faith that is communal, because Christianity is not an individual faith. If you're not a member of a church, you're not a Christian. Period. You might be saved and you might be going to heaven. But Christian means Christ-like. And Christ left us the Bible and each other. That's why I always slap the table and say it's Friday and y'all say Sunday's coming. And Ryan says, but get your butt in church. So Brian says that. I'm sorry. So, you know... I know. <laughs> Why? Because you've got to be a part of the church. you got to. You've got to be a part of the church if you're going to be obedient to the Lord. And there are always going to be bumps in the road in the church, and there's always going to be times when you have to compromise. Maybe you don't like the music in your church. It's okay. You know, what was that Francis Chan thing that was going around last week? Somebody posted on Facebook. The lady <clears throat> said, I didn't really like the worship this morning, Pastor. And he said, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. Right? <laughs> right? You know, I, don't, I think the pastor goes on too long. Well, maybe you need to get your nose out of your phone and pay attention to the Word of God. I don't know. Or maybe you need to eat a little sandwich before you go to church so you won't be hungry at the end of the sermon, right? So he can go on for 45, 50 minutes if he needs to, if that's what the Spirit of the Lord wants him to do. Listen, there's going to be compromises in the church. Always has to be compromises in the church. We need the commandments so that we can live with God. We need the compromises so that we can live with the brethren. Plain and simple. I wanted to end tonight with a quote from Warren Wiersbe that I think is very apropos, not just to the church, but to our current situation in our country as well. 
and he wrote this about 40 years ago. It is beautiful to see that this letter, Acts, expressed the loving unity of people who had once been debating with each other and defending opposing views. The legalistic Jews willingly gave up, insisting that the Gentiles had to be circumcised to be saved, and the Gentiles willingly accepted a change in their dietary habits. It was a loving compromise that did not in any way affect the truth of the gospel. Just like every married person and every parent knows, there are times in a home when compromise is wrong, but there are times when compromise is right. Samuel Johnson once said, Life cannot subsist in society but by reciprocal concessions. Reciprocal concessions. Think about that when you watch the State of the Union tonight. The person who is always right and who insists on having his or her own way is difficult to live with happily. Nancy? Or Donald, doesn't matter which. They all have to start living. And listen, in church, you have to learn to compromise. In marriage, you've got to learn to compromise. You just have to. You know? When you become a parent, <laughs> your kids are not going to wear the clothes you want them to wear. I'm just telling you right now, it ain't going to happen. They're not going to listen to the music you want them to listen to. And their, their, their culture is going to be completely different from yours. And you, you, I know where you guys are right now because I was right there in 1983. I, 1983, I was your age. And I thought, you know what? I'm always going to be the cool guy. Because I'm just gonna stay current. I'm gonna stay. I'm not gonna be like all the other parents out there. I'm like I'm gonna stay current. That lasted till about 93, 94, and then I'm standing there going, "What's up with this grunge? Why don't these kids take a bath? I mean, you know, some of these guys wearing their pants down around their knees, you know, and I'm losing my mind, and I'm only 28. <laughs> Didn't last long, right?" Whatever culture you were in at the age of 15 to 18 is the culture you always want to stay in. And I got news for you. In about five years, y'all are going to be the old farts. You're, the young Marines coming up after you are going to be like, oh, gosh, oh, I don't want to wear clothes like that guy. You know, you're going you're gonna to suddenly find yourself out of style. and You've got to learn to compromise. You've got to learn to say, okay, you can be who you are. I'm going to be who I am we'll be all right, you know? It, when, when the church wants to start putting, you know, and I know y'all, you're young and you like the, the new music and everything, you're going to get to my age one day and you're going to wonder what on earth happened to good old-fashioned worship music. Why, why can't we sing, you know, songs like, like we sung back in 2015 and 16? Why can't we sing those songs anymore? Right? You're, you're going to get there. And you gotta, you gotta just say, you know what? This is the new generation. I gotta deal with it. And there's gonna be old folks in your church that aren't gonna like the way you do things. And sometimes you're gonna have to mold yourself to them to help them. You know, you know. Paul said, if eating meat offends my brother, I'm gonna be a vegetarian so long as I'm around my brother. Period. That's all there is to it. If, if that's going to offend my brother while I'm around him, I'm just I'm not going to do what he hates, you know. And that's something that's hard to, to understand, but it's necessary for fellowship. 
when we try to force our rules down someone else's throats, it's bad. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.